0: Hello and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show that doesn't sound or start like others that just ramble and me- meander to the point that you get so frustrated with the way they start the show that you turn it off vowing to never listen to that dang podcast again. I'm the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber.
1: I don't know what to say to that. Wow. <laughs> I think you may be thinking of some very specific podcasts that we may have to
0: discuss. Yeah, uh, that is the voice of Nicole Brady, <laughs> yes, anchor, reporter, yes. extraordinaire, and our favorite co-host here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. I was listening to some other shows. I like to do sampling, Nicole, and I was sampling, and, and sometimes folks, they just get onto the mic and they just start rambling about whatever, and it is quite frustrating because, you don't really know what they're doing, why they're doing it, who they are, mm-hmm. what who the voices are, because you need if you're not a recognizable person that has been doing this for a long time. People coming in out of these things all the time, right?
1: So, well, it seems these days anyone thinks they can have a podcast, right? Right.
0: Just as long as you got a phone, you're starting to record <laughs> stuff, and that's not really how you do entertaining radio. And no. this is basically no, there's radio. There's production that's taped. Yes.
1: value to this. Uh, It's the same as when bloggers came out and suddenly everyone was a journalist, (laughs) you know. um, And and things change over time, but yeah, uh, I think I appreciate the production value on this show, the music.
0: See? The
1: the, uh, introduction that we get every time, even though you are a very recognizable personality at this point.
0: Well, thank you very much, Nicole. (laughs) I appreciate that. Uh, We're going to talk. We we all the time talk about distracted driving, right? Yes. Uh, So we're going to talk about the dangers of texting and driving in a different way because we, we all hear about different apps that you can get. ...from your cell phone and, and even on your car that will help prevent you from being a distracted driver, just to stop you from texting and driving. But we're going to speak with a guy. His name is Scott Tibbetts. He's a chairman of Katasi. That's the name of the company. And he has this product called Groove. And basically it's this piece of hardware... That you plug into your car. There's a spot right under your dashboard, usually on the driver's side, that has uh, all those little prongs. And it's that same deal that mechanics use when they're looking for an error code or something going on with the car. And so that's where you plug this thing in to your car. So it's connected right there to your car. And basically, it connects your phone with the wireless carrier, whoever you have, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, whatever. And it basically stops any text from being received or sent while driving
1: great idea so yeah
0: uh, it, it's supposed to be a f- foolproof way to make sure you can't text and drive and his story is actually quite interesting how he got here and and what was the impetus of his invention and and him and, and, and himself he's actually a pretty interesting man so we'll speak to him. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, as well as where the technology is, if you can buy it, because he's, he's run into some roadblocks.
1: Yeah, I would imagine the cell phone carriers, I don't think, have, have actively g- gone against people's uh, attempts to block texting while driving. They know it's a p- problem, uh, but I'll be curious to hear what sort of roadblocks he's had with some of those companies.
0: So we're going to hear from Scott coming up in just a little bit. I also want to describe to you, coming up in just a minute. A recent ride-along I took with the Castle Rock Police Department. They invited me out uh, to do a ride-along. I've never done a ride-along, an official ride-along in that capacity, in the front seat of a police car. What time of,
1: what time of day was it?
0: <laughs> it was just during the afternoon. Okay. It was, uh, I showed up at 2 o'clock, and they kept me until about 6 So it was about four hours. Sounds
1: like the boring time of day for.
0: It was fairly boring. You're right. It wasn't, yeah, there weren't any shooting them up, you know, rock them, sock them kind of craziness. Nothing like
1: cops, right? No, it was nothing
0: like or live PD. It wasn't (laughs) anything like that just yet. Uh, It it was different than I thought it would be anyway. I'll have my description of the ride along coming up also in just a little bit. Uh, It turns out all it takes to fool a Tesla's camera system is a little tape. So there's two security researchers who managed to trick a couple of Teslas into accelerating well past the speed limit by just fooling their camera systems into misreading a speed sign. These researchers are from McAfee, and they stuck a 2-inch piece of black tape on a 35-mile-an-hour speed sign, and, and where they put it, it, it slightly elongated the middle line in the 3. So imagine making a 3 yeah. with a really long middle line <laughs> of the 3. Not quite an 8, but it would be mm-hmm. almost at 8 if you were going to connect to the uh, other side of that 3, right? So then they drove a 2016 Model X Tesla towards that sign. They had the autopilot on. And that's supposed to control your speed in the car, keep it a safe distance between the other car in front of you. But as the car approached that sign that was altered, it started speeding up as if it was reading the sign as 80. 85 miles yeah. an hour. And so off they go at the 35-mile-an-hour oh road. God. So they disclosed this research to Tesla and to this company called Mobile Eye, uh, the company that provides the Tesla models with their camera system. And they say the Tesla that uh, the company did not respond to their request because I'm sure they were a little embarrassed by the whole thing. Uh, and this other company, this Mobile Eye, dismissed the research, saying basically uh, it, it could have been misread by a human as well, and that you would have accelerated to 85 miles an hour. I don't think so.
1: No. Usually we, we so. know the difference between a road that's usually marked for 35 versus 85.
0: They also defaulted <sighs> saying they, these cars are not ready for full autonomy just yet. There's a few glitches to work out.
1: Just a few. Just a few. Right. Uh,
0: a man named Pat Cassidy, he was on a recent Delta flight going from Austin to Los Angeles. He was sitting in his seat with his laptop open, as, as you know, a lot of people do, working man. Editing some pictures for his work when all of a sudden, without a warning, the person that was sitting in front of him reclined the seat and that broke Pat's laptop. (gasps) Of course, Pat doing what people do in a situation like this. He took to Twitter to express his outrage of his smashed laptop, saying there was a time when I had a working laptop, but that was a long time ago before the selfish blank (laughs) in 13A, decided to fully recline his seat and castrate my livelihood. It's a little strong. Yeah,
1: nicely put there.
0: The laptop was sitting in the small tray table area okay. of, uh, of of Scott's seat there, or Pat's seat, rather, uh, when, quote, the computer screen folded like a taco.
1: Isn't that what they're supposed to do? I'm sorry, wait. How-
0: yeah, so a laptop is supposed yeah. to fold down. <laughs> But he said, just the, la- just the screen part of your laptop. Yeah, folded like a oh, taco, geez. which is huh. not good. So he, he no. posted a picture on Twitter, and it was all smashed, and it was it, I think it was an Apple computer, so so you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand 2,000 dollars, whatever they cost. They're not cheap. they're not like a Chromebook. Uh, Pat then continued on Twitter, outlining what he thinks is the clear etiquette of seat reclining on planes, saying you never fully recline in all capitals. It's rude and a sign of a sociopath. <laughs> ah,
1: sociopath. Okay. I, I think, uh, yes, most people agree that, that people should not fully recline. You always think that about the person in front of you, uh, at least. But why do plane seats still recline if this is such a problem?
0: Some are going to go to half recline. Some Are they, yes. are they
1: changing that? Yeah. Okay. Because clearly nobody likes it.
0: Only the There's person a, reclining. Only
1: the person reclining. And yes, I will agree, they're, they're being rude. Uh, I don't know that they're a sociopath, but...
0: Well, obviously, <laughs> Pat was upset, and he was expressing his frustration on the flight. And so a flight attendant naturally came over to see what was the matter. And the flight attendant, according to Pat, came over to tell him that the passenger in front of him needed to be able to recline the seat. And then the flight attendant asked that man who reclined the seat, if he was okay in this whole situation. Ooh. Not asking if Pat or his laptop was okay, if he was okay.
1: It, so what special condition did this gentleman have? None. Where he needed to he recline just needed to, he okay? He just needed to recline. Okay.
0: Uh, Pat then decided to complain to Delta directly, and the airline responded with an apology, but no offer of compensation. They said, thank you for writing to us about your experience. I'm sorry your laptop was broken due to another passenger's reclining uh, their seat. It's not fair when one person's behavior affects another person. Please know that personal property uh, damaged in flight as a result of a passenger action is not reimbursable. (laughs) We regret that the inconvenience Uh. that this has caused you later, Delta, uh, as a quote-unquote goodwill gesture, offered Pat 7,500 airline miles. Something Pat says is the equivalent of a seventy-five-dollar gift card and an explanation that you would give a six-year-old.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. I, I wonder, was he doing anything wrong with the way he had the laptop placed? Because sometimes, yes, your own, you are responsible for your personal property.
0: Well, if you have the top, let's say your your laptop is open, yeah, and the top of your screen area of the laptop was resting up against the back of the seat. I could imagine that when that seat comes down, if it, it, unless it's uncumbered or mm-hmm. smooth, that as the seat is coming down, yeah. the top of the laptop might grab on something. And then as the seat's coming down because it's going to be a, a stronger force mm-hmm. than the top than the laptop screen area, that it will just fold over.
1: I guess so. Yeah. And maybe
0: it happens so quickly that uh, this guy wasn't able to grab the laptop and move it. I have been in, in that similar scenario where I see the seats coming back because you can usually yeah. tell when the person there start maneuvering their back and their arms, and they're ready to – they're because they're, they're always looking for yeah. the button. They don't know where the button is, no, so, they're so they're looking for the tell, button. Yeah. And you can kind of tell, and I'm like, all right, this is coming. It's, it's coming, coming my way. It's so, coming. <laughs> so I move my laptop <laughs> out of the way.
1: Oh, geez. I – you know, I – I really don't like these people who don't turn around and ask, is it okay right. if I recline? I mean, this is a society we live in with other people, and it, it, it is so rude to do that. We wow. talked on the I, show
0: uh, a couple weeks ago, last week or the week before, about this lady who was reclining her seat. And the man behind her didn't like it. Yes. Asked he, her to come up, and then she just did it. She waited till he was done eating, and then she went back again. And then he just sat there and like was punching, flickers, yeah, yeah, punching pinch, the seat yeah. over and over and over again. And that, of course, that video went crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it brought up again this this uh, etiquette. What do you do? Do you recline or do you not recline? I usually fly in an airline that. Doesn't give you that option because the seats are so terrible that they are just these big blocks of plastic that don't move.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm not sure that I've had a seat in a long time that reclined any more than maybe that little inch that, where you just barely could sort of lean your head against the seat next to you if you were trying to, to sleep. I mean, where, who are, where are these people flying? Just sit in your seat. <laughs> read your book. You, do you need to sleep on the plane? Can you? Can people sleep on the plane? If you're I'd, flying
0: I'd, Emirates, maybe. Uh, yeah, like I, you're uh, going to Saudi Arabia, sure. If you're going to be flying to Dubai and you're on Emirates going from Auckland, yeah, go again. ahead and get one of those seats that exactly. that turn into a bed.
1: Yeah, this is th- no. I th- I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't love the response of the laptop gentleman just because he was a little. Uh, use some choice language I, I don't approve of, but I feel for him. I'm not, I mean, I do think you you know you need to take care of your own stuff because you have to deal with jerks in this world. But um, but yeah, something has to be done. These airlines need to get rid of this these seats. that reclined.
0: Well, yeah, uh, we actually talked to a guy who makes airline seats. He lives here in Lakewood, makes them out in Lakewood. And he wanted to create this seat that actually, when you go in, they're, they're offset. So you actually have more room in oh, your yeah. row, uh, and you can get more seats, apparently, he said, on the airplane. So it was interesting uh, from his point of view to, to, to see those different seats. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not flying on United or Delta mm-hmm. or American where they have those seats that recline. Yeah. I'm, or I'm- in first class, I'm—
1: Right, back I'm i I'm, I'm on Southwest every flight. I'm yeah. on pretty much. Well, uh you know or or put a sign up that says ask. Be courteous and ask the person behind you if they mind. Sometimes that person might not mind. <laughs> a lot of times most, they will. Most
0: of the time I <laughs> think they will. Most of the time would. they
1: will. But I mean
0: Why can't you ask?
1: You know, the thing is is I will admit to being rude in this world at times when I feel like my actions will have no consequences and no one will know that it's me. So (laughs) the road is a great example of that where I'm driving. I I feel uh, important on this day and I'm late to something. And I I admitted to this, to Jason just this week that I drove illegally in the uh, HOV lane on Santa Fe for a small distance. Uh-huh. Just a short distance. A
0: short eight or nine miles.
1: <laughs> it felt short at that speed. No. I, I was <laughs> racing to get to pick up my kid because I worked uh, they shifted my schedule and I worked late that day. And, uh, and so I, I you know, so of course I'm, I'm the most important person on the road. I, I, I know I was doing everything that we hate about drivers on the road. Uh, but I thought, you know I'm just going to get in this lane get there a little faster and no one's going to If if someone sees me and uh, notices I don't have a second person in the car with me, ah well, I'm never going to see that person again. So I didn't care if someone saw me or not. I mean, unless a a cop saw me. But um, but when you're in an airplane, you're right there with them. You have to fly the whole distance of this flight with that person. How can you?
0: You're close enough to smell the other person like that. (laughs) It's a different world, Nicole. I, uh, it's an internet maybe they social are media
1: sociopaths. world. I guess I guess they are. That might be I
0: guess what, he's it, right. it's a it's a good explanation for those people. And and who who's to say that you didn't have a young child or baby Well, in a the lot of time seat? that's
1: what I was banking on no one would really notice if I had someone in in my car or not. I mean, we had a I n- I know that that that's not okay, and Why I don't a usually ba- do. No, no, baby, no, a as a baby person. I would. Ca- no, I'm saying I would count a baby as a person. I'm saying if I, but but I didn't have a baby with me, so so I know what I did was wrong. Um, I'm this sorry. Is your penance. I'm sorry. This is this uh- show. Yes,
0: <laughs> you're making up for it right now.
1: I was still late to get my son. Yeah. So. Well, he still loves you. I think
0: <laughs> it won't be the first time mommy embarrasses him. Uh, so. Have you ever done a police ride-along?
1: Uh, not, not a long one, like uh, just for stories, maybe going and busting uh, puffer cars, things like that, yeah.
0: So I was presented with the opportunity mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago to go on a ride-along with the Castle Rock Police Department. They are in the south side of Metro Denver. And it was my first ride-along, and I, I, th- I think I learned a lot from it. Because um, you first walk into the police station— and they said, uh, can we help you? And I said, yeah, I'm here for a ride-along. And they said, okay, well, they, here, fill out this form that basically says you're not going to sue the cops if, if you get shot. Uh, and then they wanted my license, and they took a picture of my license, and it was a pretty interesting process, the whole form that they, they filled out for me. And then there was this uh, sergeant guy who brought me back to into the police station, brought me down to this uh, patrol area, and into a briefing room. Mm. A briefing room just like you would see on Hill Street Blues. Or name another police show that you enjoy.
1: Ooh, I don't, I don't watch those NYPD Blue.
0: NYPD Blue. There yeah. you go. You know, the rows of tables and the chairs and the person sitting up front, and, there, and there's that uh, uh, little lectern up the front where you could stand there and do your briefing, and a little monitor there in the corner as so though they were talking about who the bad guys are of the week that they're looking for, and uh, some of the department inner office stuff that was going on. So it was a time for those officers. And when I went down there, there were three officers, patrol officers a sergeant, and some other guy that was leading the meeting. So five of them. And so this was the afternoon shift. They work basically ten to, or two to midnight. I think they work four tens is how they do it. Okay. Uh, so they're on from two to midnight, uh, I think four days a week. Uh, so I was assigned to Officer Joel. He was pretty young. He was only a couple years a cop. Um, and he actually started as a junior volunteer helper when he was in his teens, like 14 oh. years old. And he worked his way up after high school and, and went to the little police training deal and, and now has become a police officer. He, I guess he's always wanted to, to do Sounds that. Sounds like so, he has, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he gave me a tour of the police department, walked to where the chief was. I had a chance to meet him for a few minutes. Nice guy. Uh, saw the dispatch center because they have their own dispatch center in that police station. And that's where the dispatcher showed me how they do what they do. And where their zones are and what happens when a call comes in and how they handle all that stuff. So that was pretty interesting. And, and she seemed like she was a viewer. Because, you know, you can tell the people who watch you on TV just the way they look at yeah, you. Yeah. Right? You can just kind of tell. A <laughs>
1: second glance. the, the oh, Where, yeah, do, where, I, where do I know you? you from?
0: Yeah. Um, so that was, that was pretty interesting. All right. So we went back outside. And uh, met a couple of the other officers who were coming in. They, they Actually, one of them, this guy TJ, he was a viewer, watches every single morning, just loves watching, which is kind of funny. Uh, and talked to him for a few minutes just about whatever was going on, not, not, nothing really going on. But so we're going out with Joel, and he was describing what his idea of policing is. Now, he doesn't work for the traffic division. He just works a regular patrol. So I thought we were going to go to different calls of assistance of some sort, or uh, just look around, drive around the town and look for crimes. <laughs> and that's kind of what we did. We ended up going right over just down the road, half a mile away from the police station, is the Safeway. We pull into the Safeway. I'm like, all right, what are we doing? And what he likes to do is he drives up and down the aisle of the Safeway. Okay. And he's looking and he's profiling different cars and he's and he's looking at the different and when he sees one that he thinks is suspicious he's usually looking for crap cars something that might be damaged something okay. like that so he's 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 profiling the cars and then he runs the license plate and he tries to see if if something for the driver or for that vehicle comes back as uh, bad to find
1: out if they're going uh, so, to do
0: what so that so in in one instance so we're there at the Safeway he he puts in one of the license plates and it came back as the driver had a suspended license for previous DUIs and wasn't supposed to be driving, did, had a suspended license. Uh, and so we went around to the side of the Safeway just so he could see where that car was. And I was asking, all right, so how do, how do you know it's not this guy's wife or a daughter or son or whatever, somebody else who's driving the truck? And he goes, well, I have the description of the person that's not supposed to be driving right here, a middle-aged man in his 50s with his you know, weight and height. Right. And so here comes this guy that matches that description, gets in the car, and then pulls out and then starts driving away. Now, the officer says he can't pull over anybody in that parking lot because it's a private parking lot. He has to, and he had to have, quote, unquote, the probable cause to pull somebody over. Sure. So at the stop sign, leaving the Safeway, the guy made a right. Well, he didn't use his turn signal, and he didn't make a full stop. He did one of the rolling yeah. stops. And so this, the, the, you know, Officer Joel slams on the gas. And we're <laughs> after him. It's, oh it's on. And then the uh, guy, again, didn't go through another r- stop, stop sign, a rolling sign. And so we pull up right behind him. And we, they threw, he throws on the lights. And we pull this guy over. So, so Officer Joel goes, walks over there to the car and just just to talk to the to talk to the guy. Well, obviously he didn't have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. Actually, this guy gave the officer his passport as identification.
1: Okay. Not a driver's license. So, yeah. Officer
0: Joel comes back to the car and it, it, he cuz he his whole idea of pulling this guy over was to take somebody to jail. That's yep. that's what he wow. wanted to do. He wanted to take somebody to jail. He doesn't want to go get small fish. Yep. I was pointing wow. out in that Safeway parking lot, a lot of expired Driver oh, or uh, a okay, tag, But he
1: didn't want that. He didn't yeah. care.
0: One of them was expired since April of last year. A <laughs> temporary tag that I spotted. I said what? And he goes, well what? he's looking for the no, big, big fish. fish. He wants big fish, not the small. He doesn't want minnows. So he goes and he comes back so I'm still sitting in the car the whole time. He goes out, comes back and he says that he's not going to take this guy to jail. He's just going to write him a citation because this guy apparently shattered his wrist and he's in a cast and it would have been a bigger challenge or, or some more inconvenient for the, for the officer to take this guy to jail, having to deal with somebody who has a medical condition, i.e. broken wrist, than it would be if he was perfectly healthy. And he didn't want to deal with any of yeah. that stuff.
1: fascinating.
0: Which was surprising. <sighs> he just didn't care.
1: So he, did he let the guy drive away?
0: So what he did is he gave him a ticket. Okay. And he has a little uh, uh, deal with, you know, the, the, the SCMOD, the computer system there in his car. And then he has a printer above uh, on, the, on the roof of the car there. And so he prints out the citation and he hands it back to the guy. And he makes the guy park in a parking lot that we were right next to and call somebody to get a ride. But he just made him park there. And then we left. The guy could have gotten, could have gotten right gotten back away. in his wow. car and then off to home or wherever he was wow. going. Wow. We didn't check to follow up or anything.
1: Interesting.
0: Then we, so after that little episode was done, uh, we stopped by the park across the street so we could use the porta potty. I I guess the police do that. This is
1: a day in the life, isn't it? All right.
0: But then we were heading back to the police station, which I thought he could have just gone over there. So I don't get anyway. So he could drop off some of his paperwork, and he was also looking for some investigator to to uh, about some question he had about some other case, and that investigator wasn't there. So we just stood in the break room for about twenty minutes, chatting about things. About what his life to what it, what his life is like mm-hmm. and and uh, how he's young and and so it was just it was interesting. But um, I was asking him about the department. He said the chief is really into the community relations and co- community policing, and he he really wants to be on this community kick to mm. really ha- have a good bridge between the department and the folks that are there in in Castle Rock because he he doesn't want everybody to think that the police are just out there to go get them.
1: Sure. Yeah,
0: because there's, there's obviously there's that divide in the in the country between police and citizens now, Um, and so he wants to bridge that divide. So we stood there for about twenty minutes, then we left again, and going over the Walmart so we could go drive up and down.
1: (laughs) I have never heard about this tactic before. Yeah,
0: wow. Uh, We drove up and down those lanes, didn't find anything. We drove over to the Target, did the same thing. Uh, We were going to go over to the Home Depot. But then we turned around so he could back up another officer who had pulled somebody over for an expired tag. <laughs> and so we were just sitting behind the other officer. I mean, it was some nice old lady who, didn't, yeah. who had a couple months old tag. And so it, it's just, it looked like a little overkill that you have two police officers for this little old lady who didn't pay a registration fee. <gasps> uh. I mean, seriously. <laughs> But they, they can't pull over, apparently, people in parking lots or write the tickets that, in parking lots, which, which he said that there's only certain infractions that you can uh, enforce in a parking lot. If you're chasing somebody, if somebody goes there and you're already engaged, um, there were a few others.
1: Well, plus he needed to, like you said, wait for probable, probable cause right? pull over. Exactly.
0: So. But he's, he's not interested in petty tickets because he, he wanted that big fish. Um, and so we really didn't do much of anything after that. Drove around for a little bit. He drove me back to the police station and it was just before six o'clock and he said, all right, have a nice so day. I,
1: I mean, if this was another, if this was Denver, I mean, Castle Rock is a very safe community. I think it's one of the, the oh, sure. it regularly ranks among our safest uh, so So I imagine in a place with more crime, they're not doing this. The police are not driving around Safeway parking lots.
0: Right. I would think that they're going to call after call after yeah. call for domestic this or um, any drugs of, or,
1: or, or traffic related or any of it. but right. um, but that is yeah <laughs> wow. I think
0: I would rather go out with the traffic cops and see how that works yeah. out next time. And maybe it, yeah it, it, maybe not as super busy like Denver or Aurora, but maybe Lakewood. Yeah. Something that's yeah. kind of busy but not super horrible busy.
1: I think that would be interesting to compare your two experiences if you uh, if yeah. you get the chance again. Yeah.
0: So, you know, that was that was that was my little ride along. Well, it's
1: always fun to see what that is really like. I think few people get a chance to really know what that's like to be uh in the in the patrol car and what a police officer's day actually looks like. Yeah. And, I, you know, even, it's funny, even the most law-abiding of us, we all are a little scared of police, uh, you know, when we pass well, sure. them on we, the and road. We, and, and we talked and, about that, yeah. that
0: people drive yeah. differently when they're – and I asked him that, if, if if they drive differently or act differently. He goes, yes, they do, definitely. And there are times that he wants to get through traffic and people are just trying to go as slow as possible and are freaked out. And then there's people, we were sitting at this stoplight, we were, we were going to go straight, and there was a – arrow, a red, yellow, uh, green turn arrow to go left. So it was on green, went to yellow, and then some, Then it twitched to red, and somebody still went through that left turn arrow, the red arrow. And he just, whatever, didn't care. Huh. Did not care at all. Because, again, small fish.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> it's interesting. I got I got pulled over one time, I remember, this was a long time ago, for doing the thing where I decided to cut through a gas station parking lot instead of, so instead of uh, going up to a light yeah, oh yeah. to make a right turn where I saw a long line of cars, I just cut through the parking lot. And okay, I was what's gonna, wrong with that? Gonna, well, the cop pulled me over, said I couldn't do that.
0: Why not? What I, was the offense?
1: on I, I, I don't remember. It's been too long, but he pulled me over for cutting through a gas station parking lot but going, you were driving
0: on private property. He can't enforce that.
1: Well, he waited till I got back out onto the road.
0: But still, so what I, were you doing? You were just coming from a private lot onto the road, and I, you made I, the right I,
1: that's turn... A good, that's a really good question. He I would have fought that in court. He, well, and I think he might have... I don't think he gave me a ticket, but he pulled me over oh, and, okay. g- and gave me a, a warning. I don't remember verbal or, or written. It might have just been a verbal or warning. Or a scolding. But I did get pulled <laughs> over. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes I think they they just that's all they're, they're ever intending to do. Um, and me, I, I don't know. This was a while ago. Maybe thought I was just some young kid who needed a lesson in etiquette there. But um, but I always appreciate actually on my drive in the morning. Sometimes when I see a, a cop and and I'm going a little fast and I slow down. Yep. And if they just sort of look the other way and I figure, okay, they know that that I'm probably going to drive slower now because I saw them. And
0: well, yeah. he, and he said that if he was going to pull somebody over for speeding, it usually has to be. 10 miles an hour or over, because okay. that's where bigger money is. Yeah. Again, they're not going to pull anybody over, uh, really under five. I'm so. always
1: going 10 miles <laughs> or over.
0: Because that's how I'm driving down. And I saw a cop doing a speed trap this morning when I was coming in at 3 o'clock in the morning, yeah. uh, full sideways on the shoulder of the highway, and I'm going north, and he uh, he's right there. And so, the guy in front of me is, like, slamming on his brakes. And I'm always right there. The speed limit is 65, and I'm, I'm about 68. Had the cruise control set at sixty eight as I'm just driving through, and I let people go by me all the time. It's great, and somebody got pulled over. I put it on my uh, on my Facebook page uh, a week or two ago. Somebody getting pulled over for that exact same yeah. move, passing me, and boom, gets gets pulled over. But uh, yeah, they won't pull you over if, unless you're going because because they want the bigger tickets, the bigger yeah, fines.
1: they could have gotten me on a few, but
0: <laughs> unless they're looking for a DUI, and a lot of them are, they say they're just trying to make as many contacts as possible. Uh, that's why they'll pull you over for no signal or speeding a sure. little bit because they're looking for maybe DUI.:
1: Yeah.: Yeah, only, yeah, and at our hour of the day, sometimes I think they just see me in the car and realize, "Oh,
0: yeah, this is not one. This, this yeah. I, well, Let's I, let, I, let yeah. this fish go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> while we talk all the time about the dangers of distracted driving and of texting while driving, there are apps that you can install on your phone. And most of the phones have a way to limit their use while you're driving, but there is a device that you can plug into your car and can make sure that your phone will not receive or send text when it's moving. That device was created by Scott Tibbets, the CEO and founder of Katassi. He is uh, the one who created this anti-texting product called Groove. Scott, thanks for, so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. <laughs>
2: I am thrilled to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Scott, let's talk, before uh, we get into the actual device and how it works, let's talk about how you got here. You have an interesting story about the impetus and the spark that, that made you want to come up with this product and a deadly crash that led you down this road. Talk about that, if you would.
2: It starts um, after I sold my first company, and it was a space company. We made motors for spacecraft, a uh, company I started uh a couple decades ago and I sold that and uh, when you are a technical entrepreneur the question is what's next and I spent a couple of years and okay now what do I do I'm, I'm not done yet and as that part of that process I was going to meet a vice president of a small telecom company down in uh, Westminster actually and I went down to meet this fellow Dave Super i went through the intersection that was right in front of the the office and there was some glass in the intersection and he just noticed those things and i went in and i asked for dave and they told me that he'd been killed two hours before in that intersection wow. The when i just um driven through he'd gone out to lunch and they saw sirens went out there and he'd been t-boned by a texting driver um fellow looked down 16 years old going to school Looked down at his phone for six seconds, went through the red light, t boned him, and instantly killed Dave. Um, so I couldn't have my meeting, and uh, I didn't know Dave, but I'm a father, uh, same old age kids. If it would have been two hours earlier, could have been me. So that became the mission. Wow. Got yeah, it. Uh, that's what triggered it. it. Is you know, this is a huge problem about get bigger. We got to do something about it.
0: So. How did that spark then create, in your mind, this product called Groove that will stop people from texting while they're driving?
2: Well, at the time, there really wasn't any technology out. It was a new problem. This is 2008, 2009. Uh, Nobody really worked on it. So I got together with some other entrepreneurs in front of a whiteboard, and we started looking for what's going to be the solution. We ended up in this counterintuitive place. We knew that legislation was going to fail. You could just see that legislation would just not really control it. You could see that apps on a phone couldn't really control it because, you know, WhatsApp can't affect um, Instagram. You can't have one app affecting another. So we ruled that out. And there was this new technology coming. One was called Internet of Things, where you connect things to the cloud and cars were being connected. There was also technologies to stop content. We put all that together and said, if you can tell when a car is moving, which you can through this Internet of Things, and you can identify who the driver is, which you can, then you can just tell Verizon to stop the content that will that will kill them, and which they can do. And now you don't have an app; you just have capability that goes away, like you're on an airplane and you can't do things. Mm-hmm. So that concept, we came to the conclusion: this is it this This will be the solution, the technical solution. Let's bring it together, get the technology, and bring it forward in time and save lives. We went through all that and started to look at patents and found out some cab drivers had thought about this before us and the patent they had. So I flew out to um, Delaware, met with them over two bottles of wine, gave them a little bit of the company. They gave them our patents, and then uh, we thought we were just two or three years away from having this technology launched.
0: So the way I understand this product works is you're supposed to hook it into the car the same place that a mechanic would hook into the car to know if there was an error message going on with your car and to find out if the engine, what, what's wrong with the engine light, why that's on. So it just plugs into the car. So it's more of a hardware than a software uh, solution that somebody might put on their phone and might use, but probably won't.
2: Like Apple has a product that's pretty good. If you talk to most people, they've turned it off or they say they're a passenger. So this is different than that. It's a little device that goes in and it connects to your car to the internet, or we can use other devices that go in there, like Progressive has a device for you know giving you better insurance rates. So very different than trying to figure out if this phone is moving, if somebody's a driver. We know a car's moving, there's only two or three people that might be driving it, we figure out which one it is, and then this, those capabilities just disappear. It's They're so- just not there anymore.
1: So does it have the capability of distinguishing if someone in the back seat is using a phone then?
2: allow all the passengers to use their phones, it's only the driver that's mm-hmm. blocked. And we absolutely block only the driver.
0: And how is that accomplished? It's, it's a matter of, um, it's
2: kind of the way of our people in the U.S. So let's say you've got a family car and there's three people that might drive it, mom, dad, and a teen son. It turns out in the US, about three quarters of the drives, only one person is in the car. So what we do is we look at where are the phones that might be driving and compare it with where the car is. And in most cases, there's only one person in the car that's a registered driver. And if there's only one, we block them. And if there's anybody else in the car, well, they're the passengers, they don't get blocked. It's just the driver, if there's only one in the car. But then it raises the question, what if mom, dad, and the the teen are all in the car at the same time? If we do that and we notice them, the first couple drives, we block all of them with a little notice that goes saying, um, you have been identified in the car. Here's a little icon of the three people in the car. Would a passenger please identify the driver? So... I want to use my phone. I don't want my dad to kill me. I'm in the passenger seat. I'm highly motivated to push the button. We call it tattletale logic. Dad's phone's blocked. Everybody else is unblocked. And then our system pretty quickly learns patterns of when these three people in the car, dad always drives. So as we start learning patterns, Hmm. then we don't have to do that tattletale logic anymore.
0: We're speaking with Scott Tibbetts. He's the CEO and founder and creator of a product called Groove that stops text while driving in your car.
1: Studies show most people, uh, more than half in some surveys, are OK with the idea of having something forcibly block them. Um, so, so it sounds like that would not be a barrier to getting this to market. The, the, the want from the consumer is there. Have you observed that?
2: Really interesting, actually, watching that develop over the past five years. Uh, the first the first market for us are the people where, like, um, it's a parent that wants wants to make sure their teen doesn't text mm-hmm. and drive. You know, these parents, you've got a 15-year-old, who scares the death out of you. But then you also have fleet owners, somebody who runs UPS trucks and they don't want people driving. So that's the first market. However, mm-hmm. lately, when we brief this to people... Uh, in a boardroom, half the people, the adults, will nod their heads and say, I have to have that. I'm going to kill somebody. I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. So there's a real interesting flip now to people realizing they're addicted and I got to do something and or I'm going to kill something. So to your point, there actually is quite a bit of I got to do something about that that's going to drive uh, people to voluntarily bring it into play.
0: Mm-hmm. Because really, if you look back when this original crash happened back in 2008 and how much cell phones have increased in use, how much social media has taken over in the last 12 years and how addicted people really are, as just addicted as they can be to alcohol or other drugs, to their phone, it's really only gotten worse since that tragic day.
2: Yeah, it's it's been horrible watching it Mm. develop. It's uh, also interesting, Uh, we do informal surveys with FedEx drivers. So who's the biggest offenders? Because they're always looking down into cars. So they know you know, they get a sense. And uh, it's not what you think. That's interesting. Um, look, Millennials and Gen Xers are far down the list. They're the ones that are getting educated. It's parents that are far more the perpetrators than, uh, than uh, Gen X and millennials. It's soccer moms and commuter dads. That's who's causing the problem. It's not what you think.
0: So does this technology, when it's connected, let's say the cell phone company is, is yeah, I'm, I'm on board, and it blocks your phone from doing anything, can I still make a call at least, or it, nothing works on the phone?
2: Looking for something that is this balance between safety and consumer acceptance, where people are saying, yep, that's what I want. And in general, that's leaving phones alone. Um mm-hmm. uh, just you know not touching the phone. Not that it isn't unsafe, but it's a different level of distraction and people, you know, want to be able to talk even if they might not. The other thing is we whitelist or allow navigation and music streaming in general. You know, people are saying, oh, I got my Pandora, I want to be able to use that. So those are the three things we allow pretty much everything from there is blocked.
0: In other words, people could still listen to the driving you crazy podcast <laughs> with this yes.
2: technology. We were thinking specifically of you because <laughs> your podcast is so important to people.
0: Well, that's
1: fascinating that you can distinguish uh, from, from some of those services. And then, and then is it only applicable when the car is in motion does it, uh, or, or on or off? How does that work?
2: The way we work it is it's, it starts with key on, but we don't block. As soon as you cross five miles an hour, we block, and then we unblock at key off. So you turn your key off, you unblock. Got it. And to that point of how things have matured, six years ago, people would say, but I need to re-engage it at a stoplight. You know, I might be stopped Mm -hmm. and need to do something. Nobody says that anymore. And the reason is because they're stuck behind some jerk at a green light that's still looking down at their phone. And it's just been interesting how nobody raises that issue anymore because it makes them so cranky what people do at stoplights now.
0: Speaking with Scott Tibbets, he's the CEO and founder of Katasi and creator of this product called Groove that stops text while driving your car. And, Scott, as I understand it, you've had a heck of a time trying to navigate your way with the telecom companies and getting them to be on board with this. Tell us about this fight that you're having with the companies that uh, we're running our cell phones through.
2: So, um, to that point, as as you're listening to this, this podcast you get to this point and you go wow this is great where can i get it that's what happens the story's great up until this point we went to at&t with this technology and this is back in 2012 and at very high levels at&t said this is the solution that will work other solutions weren't won't and we started getting traction and then all of a sudden as it got up into the very high levels of the company everything started slowing and I got a call saying, you know, we know this is the way to do it, but we don't wanna, you know, jump into this pool. We're just gonna do an app. And we know the app isn't effective, but you know, we just wanna touch our toe in this. Hmm. And so AT&T stopped talking to us. They never said no, ever, from probably liability reasons, but they said, ah, let's wait a little bit. And then we went to Verizon very similar situation where huge enthusiasm for it worked its way up to the sea level. And uh, we heard that um, at the sea level, they say, you know, let's not rush. Do we really want to get into this? And the sense we started getting was similar to like the gun lobbies and the alcohol lobbies of guns don't kill people, people kill people. We don't want to, we don't do anything but provide a service. It's not our business to stop and we'd, we'd identified this great technology for them to stop delivering the poison and for them to make money from it. People would pay five to 10 bucks a month for this. And they recognized that. They recognized the efficacy. And nobody ever said no. Then we started bringing in, uh, we started getting press. And I got a text message saying, I had a horrible thing happen. I'd like to tell you about it. And a woman named Amy Ford from Oklahoma. Eventually sent me a letter explaining that on one Friday, um, her daughter had gone out to cheerleader practice and was texting and was killed. And then the next Friday, her two sons were going out and uh, to a branding, and one son was texting and hit the back end of a truck and killed the other son. Oh my so God. she lost Good. two. Oh my God. So you could only imagine the family. Now it's about how do we keep this other brother from killing himself? Literally, you know, he just killed his brother. And the, 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 it was just horrendous. It took her six years to share a story. She finally shared it with us and said, this technology is the solution for the price of a prom dress or a pair of running shoes. My kids would be alive. How is it possible they didn't, and is not doing this. So she said, can I help? We went to California. We, we started doing some legislation. She, she, she was going to fly out and meet with a legislator. That legislator got on a plane going from Sacramento to Burbank and two lobbyists from one of the leading telcos got on, sat down next to him when he got off the plane. He, he, he called back saying, not only will I not support this bill, but I'll kill it if you try to put it through. Wow. This was our champion. Chief of Staff was on that plane, saw what he did, quit the next day because it was just so oh. horrendous what the telcos did. And, and to that point, We're running um, legislation in Colorado. We were doing it last week, and we had the support of both Democrats and Republicans, and it was a bill that did nothing more than say that the telcos should offer this to customers that want it. It only cost about $3 million for them to deploy it, and one week before the vote in the committee, um, one of the major telcos put $150,000 into a super PAC and brought out 10 lobbyists and uh one week later we only had one vote and the bill was pulled and this was just a week ago um this is outrageous it is is mind-numbing to watch we met with the lobbyists afterwards they conveyed that yep this is probably the best technology um yep i would like it too but um you know we're just waiting for somebody else to do it so that we can be second nobody wants to be first
0: i can't understand why the telecom companies wouldn't want to champion this and say we are helping you, we are keeping our subscribers, our our customers alive. We're offering this super safe product, and instead that they're killing it on a state by state by state level. It it just really it doesn't.
2: It doesn't, and it, it particularly when you look at something like the "It Can Wait" campaign which I think has probably had about $100 million put into it Mm -hmm. um, and sponsored primarily from AT&T. Great campaign. $100 million. Costs $4 million to deploy this. Wow. Um, Probably would have saved ah, 100 to 1,000 lives by now if uh, we would have jumped on it back in 2012. And what we hear from everybody in a telco at this high level is, you know, I want it to go away too, but we're... You know, we got other factors at play. We have liability. We could get sued if it doesn't work. Um, is it really that good a business case? Do we really want to change our network just to make $50 million? Um, we, got, we got other things to do to provide a return to the shareholders. And we hear that over and over again.
1: Is this a, a difficult, you said, change to the network? Uh, what, what exactly is uh, the, the difficulty for them? uh to to implement something like this
2: I'm going to put an asterisk here and add something and then i'm going to jump into that question okay uh the big telcos the two big ones have been resistant and going to a lot of trouble to be resistant uh sprint in particular has had the courage to move forward with this so sprint has looked at it exactly from what you said which mm-hmm. is you know we can show ourselves as the hero we can show ourselves that we're the technology leaders we do have a contract to deploy with them, and we're really excited about it. It's just on pause as this Sprint T-Mobile merger happens. So mm. it isn't that everybody's in this boat. There's some that get it. Sprint's one of them. Okay. Now, swinging back to your question, telcos have all this capability within their network. Um, they can turn off your texting if you don't pay your bill. They have content filters that make sure only things get to the phone. All that's already in the in the network. They use those things all the time. We're doing nothing more than sending a signal to the network saying, hey, engage that stuff. Mm. So it looks really yeah. simple on a, on a whiteboard. Well, it, there is a lot of security measures that go into getting from outside to inside. But depending on the telco, we've heard cost between 2 million and $6 million to implement. It's, you know, it's, it's money. And, you know, they just, geez, we don't wanna allow people to touch our network and spend that money. Um, we just rather not. Hmm. It's, it's not simple. It's not trivial. It's not rocket science. You got to want to do it. But for gosh sakes, it's two to $6 million out of, you know, out of AT&T spending a hundred million dollars on an yeah. education campaign.
1: Well, I would, I mean, I would switch my carrier if I knew that, that Sprint, uh, is going to, to partner with you on this and then make this available, uh, and, and others are holding out. Um, and I would hope that, that there would be others that would, that would take the same move. Uh, because that's, yeah. uh, I, I mean, that, that is really something to support stand, um, and, and good to hear that they're standing up and saying they'll do it. So,
2: yeah, uh, well, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head and, um, we know that we, we hear from people all the time saying, I would switch cares in a heartbeat for the one that cared enough about me to do this. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is when Sprint launches this, um, if Sprint launches this because of the merger, it would take probably 500 customers switching to Sprint before every other carrier was putting this in place as quickly as they could and saying, yep, we absolutely want to help out our customers. And to put it in perspective, AT&T loses four customers a day to distracted driving that are killed that are AT&T customers. Verizon loses four. Sprint loses two. I mean, so they literally, their subscribers are being killed um, from not potentially having this technology.
0: We're speaking with Scott Tibbetts. He's the CEO, founder of Katasi, creator of the product called Groove that stops texts while driving your car. Obviously, Scott, you've been running into roadblock after roadblock on the state level Uh, Have you tried national uh, Mm -hmm. legislation? It seems like if you're getting run over here on the state level, you're Uh probably going to get steamrolled here in the national level as well.
2: I've learned, (laughs) when I went to chemical engineering school, they didn't have a class on lobbying or going to Washington. I'm in these worlds I had no idea it'd be in. What we did find is in Washington, Washington legislation is a very long road to hope. Uh, It it brings out everybody spending their money. However, having said that, the way we're going at it is we have created a way to do this that does everything that needs to be done. It just like we're talking, it's an Android only solution. This is one of the reasons we're continuing forward and we haven't just fallen off a cliff. All of which to say we're deploying this with um, one of the major trucking companies, uh, a company called J.B. Hunt. And they're one of the largest trucking companies in the world. And they are not only deploying this solution, this limited solution, but I'm going to Washington with them a week from Friday. They're creating an alliance of trucking companies, of the large trucking companies, uh, Swift, Tyson, Walmart, to go to the telcos. And instead of going to, we're going to be going to Washington and saying, this is insanity that this isn't in place. But at the same time, we're, we're forming an alliance to go to the telcos and say, we will take our business to the telco that offers this, so we're going to get there. But it's not going to be through the traditional bill through Congress that would take us five years. Hmm. It's it's a little more guerrilla, SEAL team warfare rather than <laughs> you know full battalion, you know bring on the bazookas kind of thing. It so seems, we're getting there, by golly.
0: Yeah. yeah, it seems interesting. If it, so, so I can't technically if if Nicole or I wanted to go over to our. Uh, you know, AutoZone, we can't go out and buy one right now and put it in our car and then go use it. You
2: cannot. However, and this is something that we would love to have you share with the listeners, uh, you can find us. You know, we're easy mm-hmm. to find. It's a k a t a s i dot com, Katasi. And we are starting to provide them grassroots directly to families that have Android. And we can get people set up and it's not out there at AutoZone. You need to reach out to us. It'll be very high touch. We'll work with you. But that gives us the the, the market validation to have families say, my gosh, we got to have this. So it is available now for families on Android. But you do need to reach out to Katasi so we can connect with you and get you set up as what is essentially a pilot.
0: What's the cost for something uh, to do that?
2: Cost from us if you're doing it bottom up like that is sixty dollars for the device that goes in the car and seven dollars a month for the service. And
0: That's then it would reasonable. work yeah, that sounds reasonable mm-hmm. and then it would but work. Gosh, yeah. So it would work though. I mean it would so if I buy it from you right now for sixty bucks and I'm paying my seven dollars a month, it would it would then work, yes?
2: Five days from now you could be driving around with this and you'd be going, Holy smokes, this is amazing. Not that there isn't a little ceo bias in that last <laughs> statement <laughs> right.
0: so uh, you you mentioned that you're going to go to uh congress or you're going to go to washington with the uh, big trucking yeah. companies what about uh, getting amazon on board as well because everything is getting shipped through amazon mm-hmm. as well
2: uh, you are so you're heady, i mean you're heady, asking all the great questions here um what's interesting we understand that amazon is um all on android now i make Oh, they've got 60,000 vehicles, and they're providing Androids. So to your point, going to Amazon as a customer is something that's mm-hmm. you know right around the corner for us. But the other thing is that as we get this grassroots support, and we realize how many people want this that have Androids, we can put it on Amazon Fulfillment and then have it not be something you've got to call Katasi. You can just get on and mm-hmm. click. So these are all the things we're trying to do in Parallel. As forcing functions for the carriers, and also the thing that keeps us alive as we bring the technology to market.
0: And you keep mentioning the Android phones. I have one of each. Um, I have my personal one is an Android phone, but I also have to have a iPhone at work. Uh, so, what about the folks that have the iPhone? Is there just a different challenge with working with Apple?
2: There's, yeah. You know, the good news, bad news with Apple is that they are very tight with what they allow in the phone. And that's why Apple has security. You know, they—they, they, you know, that's why it's more secure, I think, than Android. Android's a little more free with what you can do. So we found a way on Android to give Android a signal so that it sends all the data to another part of the network that we can control. So we can do network control on Android. If the whole world was on Android, we wouldn't need telcos. Wow. So, yeah, it's just that uh, a whole lot of teens are on iPhones um but as we find android customers it's like let's go you can be a part of the what we call the mm-hmm. Groovement. you can help mm-hmm. get this thing across the line
0: isn't that a cool name <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it <is. laughs> no it's great it's perfect it we were having so beers
2: perfect. one night and somebody said i know Groovement." you know uh-huh. we locked it down
1: well as people two people here who have uh younger kids who are not driving yet but will be uh in a time that when we hope they will have this technology available to us i mean we we of course cannot wait for this to be widely available
0: i would put this Uh, in my car and and keep my daughters from being able to do it because i see the dangers every single day
2: yeah and and imagine now what it's going to feel like when you see somebody doing that and you're going and there is a solution
1: yeah and
2: and and it's it's like having the cure for ebola or covid19 and no it's like you have the cure for covid19 and you know, somebody's like, nah, I don't think we yeah, want it. We're to
1: just not going to bother. Yeah. That it's is, crazy. Wow.
2: It's crazy. Well, so I know we're at our time. I would really ask that you send people to, or people that are listening, go to www.katasi.com, both to join the movement, but also send us contact if you want to be part of the, you know, the point of the spirit and be the ones that are saying, hey, this works. I want everybody to have it.
0: Love it. Love the idea, Uh, Scott. It's really a fantastic product, and I'm so glad that you were able to share your story and your product and uh, all the adventures that you're going to be on here uh, in the next couple of weeks as well as months and years down the road. So best of luck in Washington, and best of luck with this effort to get people to stop using their phones while they're driving.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for the time. I very much appreciate it. Yes,
1: thank you.
0: Scott, thanks so much. Take care, all right? You bet. All right, there he goes. Wow.
1: Unbelievable. Just eye-opening to hear how the telecommunication companies have responded to this. It's stunning. Yeah. It,
0: I mean, I'm, it, my, it, my it, mouth is wide open, stunned. It, it
1: is. It's, you think of all of society's problems that we don't have a solution for, the, the tragedies in our society, and to think that this is something that could be done immediately Right. is uh, mind-boggling. So wow. Because
0: people all the time, you see it all the time. When you're driving it's a, I, and, and I think the texting and driving gets lumped up too much in the one distracted driving right. problem where everybody is we got to stop texting and driving we gotta have the legislation for it's really about distracted driving using yes. your phone at all even if you're listening to the podcast and and I do this because I listen to podcasts all the time right. while I'm driving and, and I will look down at the phone you, so I can you, change right, the different change. Uh, the different episode or mm-hmm. or look for another episode of a different show. And, and you are distracted. Yes. I mean, there's no way around it. You are distracted, no matter how you're using the phone. Even if you're using it as a phone, you're somewhat yes. distracted. I still want to be able to make the make be able to make calls while I'm driving, but everything else should be off.
1: Yeah. He. I mean, he points out, you know, the music coming in, the podcasts, sure. uh, the audio that people listen to, or the directions. Yeah. Uh, that that we use frequently um, are important, but uh, we have to we have to break this. This cycle, this this trend. And and most of us know that 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 we need to stop doing some of our some of the behaviors that we we sneak in sometimes. And 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 like he said, most consumers out there are are willing to to embrace this.
0: I still do it. I am still distracted. Yeah,
1: I I, I talk about it all the time. I and I am know.
0: still distracted. And I still am out there doing, you know, and, and I know guilty, I shouldn't do I it. know
1: I'm guilty of the, the light change where, uh, where I'm the one sitting there um, holding up the green light even. And um, just
0: like you said, I, I would do yeah. this in a, in a heartbeat to, to keep my daughters yes. from texting. Because um, we just allowed uh, my daughter to have one of my very old phones and start just texting. I actually got her a Google voice number. So she can now start texting her buddies. But it's only over Wi-Fi. Her phone only works over Wi-Fi, yes. and I only have it connected at the house right now. So she's she's dipping her toe into the mm-hmm. waters right now. But it's already starting to consume her a little bit. Um, and it was also an experiment on my part to see how, how... much it's going to affect her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's nice that she can chat with her friends, and that's what she's been begging for because all of her other friends are are talking to each other at at night, but now it's starting to affect her a little bit more. So we'll see about putting them out. I I don't know, but it's hard for them because it is so addicting, and it it triggers. We've heard from scientists and doctors that it triggers those pleasure-sensing regions in the brain, just like if you were taking drugs. So.
1: Yeah. I hate it. I want to throw the phone out the window. So anyway,
0: but. That is, I have uh. the link uh, for <laughs> Katasi there on this uh, podcast description. So you can just click that, katassi.com, and then go and get the information from Scott's website and from the company. And uh, so if you need more information, again, he said it was 60 bucks to buy it and then $7 a month to operate know. it. Wow. And if you're talking about, you know, $70 a year to alive, stay alive. Yes. Yeah, I I I think we would all do that, right? Yeah. Just put it as part of your health insurance plan, right? right? That's, just that's... just just figure it as part of that. Just figure it as part mm-hmm. of your overall health insurance, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, thanks again to Scott for uh, being here on the show. Nicole, you did, of course, course, awesome work again as as Joseph was out today. Just the
1: bare minimum. Yes. (laughs) But it was a a great great conversation. I'm glad I was here for it.
0: No, you're the best. Thanks again uh, for you folks for listening. If you want to get a hold of us, 303-832-0217. We're always taking the voicemails if you want to leave us one. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy.
1: I'm Nicole Brady.
0: Be safe. And as always, Happy motoring.